Hello and welcome back to Nerd Vomit. I'm Doug. I'm a nerd. This is my vomit. I really got to think of a better opening. Let's jump right into where we left off last week. I left down a cliffhanger, something from the fall TV premieres that I was like, eh, I'll wait till next episode. And guess what? This is the next episode. I'm talking about Doctor Who. That's, I'm, don't say that Who joke. Anyway, uh, I'm really liking Jodie Whittaker as the new Doctor. I think it's a nice change up with the youth and energy coming off of, oh no, Peter Capaldi. There we go. And I, I, Capaldi, I had like a love-hate relationship with. I liked the old cranky mean Doctor, but you know, ultimately, my Doctor was Matt Smith. Whether I want it to be or not, I would prefer my Doctor to be David Tennant, but unfortunately, my my true Doctor is Matt Smith. So I do appreciate the youth and exuberance of the Doctor. I like kind of the childlike wonder of him as a... Ultimately. So, I love Jodie Whittaker. I like that uh, she now is uh, has a couple, uh, like two or three companions at this point. Um, I like that's a new dynamic, especially with her kind of being in her new body and being a lady. But the companions do offer different points of view, such as uh, an old man and uh, the the main companion whose name I can't remember, the, the, the guy, uh, totally has that built-in character flaw of he's got some kind of uh, reflex problem. I looked it up, it's a real thing, where your equilibrium's kind of shot sometimes under uh, times of stress, um, I think he's got that built-in flaw that he's going to eventually overcome, probably by the end of the season. I It's a little paint by numbers, but I do like it. And then uh, the Doctor is also joined by a, a cop, who's a lady as well. So I like that there's kind of a mishmash, uh, a different group of personalities that will inform the Doctor as she... Uh, I might say he by accident, but she is on her, like, new path. So I'm so excited for new Doctor Who. I'm, I've been a Whovian for a long time. My dad watched it when I was a kid, which means I watched it when I was a kid. I remember being, like, scared and weirded out by it. And uh, I, I love all the new stuff, and I love that, that, it, that uh, it's Jodie Whittaker. I like that it's progressive, and it's moving forward, and it's changing the dialogue, and all of that. So... Uh, something else that premiered that I managed to watch all of was Daredevil Season 3. Holy shit. Finally. Bullseye. He never wears a suit. He never goes by the name Bullseye. He doesn't even say the word Bullseye, which, admittedly, I think was stupid. I think at one point he should have just shot someone in the head, uh, organically in the story, and gone, Bullseye. Just, I mean, it's it's like, just to... Uh, just to... Just to appease me, personally. I don't think I'm alone in this. But uh, the season, I'll just jump to the end of the season in terms of Bullseye. You see him getting worked on by Dr. Oyama, who is Lord Darkwind in the comics, who gives Bullseye his ability to walk again, plus an adamantium-laced skeleton, much like Wolverine. And Bullseye comes back better than ever, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen on Season 4, especially with Daredevil, who starts out being thought was dead, goes to his friends, struggles with even having friends, and of course ends up stronger for having them, and they start a new law firm, Nelson Murdoch and Page, with Karen Page, who gets her origin story kind of told, and it was alright. 
Um, I mean, I like that, you know, she was struggling with alcoholism and drug use, much like she did in the comics. I didn't expect her to die. I mean, with Bullseye and Karen Page in a church, I was like, oh god, it's gonna happen, and it didn't. But we'll see where next season goes. Kingpin is back as well. Uh, I suddenly forgot his name. Who plays him? How can I forget his name? It'll come back to me. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. See, there, it came back to me. Who disappears into this character. Oh my god, him... His Machiavellian machinations on this season were stunning. His fight scene with Daredevil and Bullseye were great. Oh man, the prison fight scene with, with Matt Murdock was something else. Every season they have a one great set-piece fight. And this one was Matt Murdock in the, uh, escaping a prison. Oh, fantastic. The only thing I've got to say about it that I wasn't a huge fan of, and maybe, maybe this was because of... Fisk, the Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, having those, like, um, knife-proof suits. But all of his white suits looked very shiny and disco. Anyone else notice that? Disco suits. It's literally a note that I have to talk about. It was an odd choice, in my opinion. Now, Daredevil Season 3, great, highly rated. Will it make the Season 4? Why do I even ask that question? Well, this is Why? Because this is not on the heels of Iron Fist and Luke Cage on Netflix getting cancelled. Now, Iron Fist was not really a shock. I mean, it had a very impressive second season, but it was the lowest rated of the Netflix Marvel shows. Luke Cage's cancellation was a shock. It's always been a fairly steady performer. I liked the last season. But Disney's starting their own streaming service to play catch-up with Netflix and uh, Warner Brothers. And... Talk around the campfire is that Disney slash Marvel is trying to get their shows back from Netflix. So will Daredevil see a season four? Yeah, probably. But will it be on Netflix? I don't think so. I think Disney will get it back. Now, my only problem with this is Disney is family friendly. Now, I'm sure they've put out some dark stuff. Uh, Black Cauldron, I think, was Disney, maybe. And that, that was fairly dark, if you want to Google that young people, but the fact that Disney chives away from, like, dark, moody, violent cursing, does Daredevil have a home at Disney, and I'm a little twitchy about saying yes. Now, on a streaming service, I mean, Warner Brothers has not really had to worry about it. The new Titans is dark and gritty and profanity-laced and mature, and I, like, love it. Um, I think it's been an interesting take on the Titans that I haven't seen before, a more adult version of it. But can Disney pull that off? I don't know. Um, could they do a lighter fare with Luke Cage and Iron Fist? Absolutely. Heroes for Hire. Fine. Doesn't have to be ultra-violent. But, I mean, they're gonna be fighting. They're literally fighters. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Disney streaming, whatever, I don't care. But getting the kind of edgier content on that streaming service, I'm wondering if and how they're going to pull that off. More premieres. So many premieres. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. This is the kind of final uh, premiere of the CW Arrowverse or Berlantiverse with Arrow and Flash and Supergirl and Legends. 
Oh man, Legends really did hit its stride uh, in the last like season and a half by really clicking into how to play with the characters, all the meta jokes, um, all the pop culture references. I mean, they really like found their stride, and I think it made for a much better show. The season premiere did not disappoint for three reasons in my mind. One, I love that they took on Woodstock, and some of the characters were like, what the fuck is this? What What is a hippie? I think was one of the lines from uh, The Future Girl with the wind totem. Um, I love that they went to Woodstock and that there was a magical heart-eating unicorn. Um, I love that John Constantine has now joined the cast. Constantine is one of my favorite characters. I could get into a whole thing. Go listen to our back episodes on No Applause, Just the Clap. But John Constantine very much informed my first novel. Um, and then, of course, the meta jokes. Uh, I love that... They start talking about, we keep doing the same thing. Don't we feel kind of tired doing that? What about our ratings? And the character goes, ratings? They go, yes, the Time Bureau rates us. Like, aren't we worried about our ratings dropping if we keep doing the same thing? And I love that they were like, look, we know we've been doing the same thing for a couple seasons. This is our way of saying we're going to change it up. Wink, nod, sly nudge. Uh, so I'm, I'm really happy that Legends is back. It's easily... One of my favorite shows out of all of the CW stuff. Really, it is my favorite. Uh, I mean, Arrow's been great so far. I really like the prison arc. Uh, Flash, I'm... We'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the villain Cicada, so I think I'm really pretty much watching it for the bad guy right now. And speaking of Constantine, a nice little segue. This, this has been out for a little while, and I just finally got to the time to watch it, which was Constantine City of Demons, which is... A DC animated movie starring Constantine and voiced by Matt Ryan, who plays him in the show Constantine and Legends of Tomorrow. So it's all, quote-unquote, the same universe. Um, I liked it. I think it was it was built to be episodic, so I could see the act breaks, I could see the structure behind it. Um, I could see you know the, the conflict resolution, conflict resolution kind of graph while watching it. But I like that it played to not only a newer audience who is coming into Constantine through this Arrowverse, but also the Constantine that I knew and loved from the comics from the 90s and on Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run. So, I mean, it was all right. I think it was a little over-stylized, uh, which I've never had a problem with in a DC animated until now. I think this time the demons and all that just seemed over-stylized. Um, I thought they were too quick-looking, too clean. Um, I like my demons kind of gross, um, as opposed to being like made of like shiny scales and, and such. So, but I recommend it. Uh, DC Animated has always killed it. It's always been where DC truly shines ahead of Marvel. Marvel's animated is pure shit. In my opinion, sorry, I think it's lackluster animation, and I they don't get great voice talent. Um, that's just my opinion. Whereas the DC animated universe, there's not one that's come out that I haven't liked that hasn't been highly rated because they put in the work and they get great voice actors and great voice direction from Andrea Romano. And there's a new guy whose name I, I don't know who's taking over for her. Um, but they I mean, they just. They'd knock it out of the park every time with their animated. It's the one thing i got to give DC. Their movies, ugh, it's a whole other story, and I think we all know where that's going. Speaking of animated, 
uh, I had someone recommend an anime to me, and her challenge was, if you can get through the first episode, you might like it. And I was like, what? A weird thing to say. And I watched literally half of the first episode and went, no, I'm good. And I know that she said the rest of the series is a bit less jarring, and it's a bit more benign and easily accessible, but still, it's a show called Goblin Slayer, which if you haven't ever heard of, you're not alone. Uh, it's one of the newer um, animes to kind of hit the streets. But within the first 15 minutes, you see one of the most brutal party wipes I've ever seen. Now, for those who have never played Dungeons & Dragons, are wondering what a party wipe is. A party wipe is a situation in which the entire party, all the players' characters, die. It's a complete wipeout, a party wipe. This party wipe involves these, like, four characters who are like, we're gonna go fight some goblins, like, blah, blah, blah. They make a reference that, like, they're a level below where they should be when they walk into this goblin cave. Uh, goblins are usually easy to take care of, though they do swarm you, which is what happened. They got flanked, brutally murdered, and one character was gang-raped. Now, it wasn't, like, incredibly graphic, but it was enough that it made me want to cry in the shower with my clothes on. Like I said, I only got, like, I watched, like, just the party wipe and went, nah, I'm good. I need to, you know, not feel <laughs> right now. Um, it was, it was brutal. Um, and, uh, uh, they, I know they've gotten the, they've released, I think the first half of the first season uh, is subtitled or subbed. And then it's just starting to get released with, um, English speaking, which is dubbed. Uh, I found the dubbed and watched it and it did not shy away from the violence and content my friend who recommended this to me, she said, you know, that's really the most brutal thing. It just, it shows, you know, that the characters coming from the one character that survives is coming from this dark place. And that's like, you know, what she's got in her head when people say adventures and they go, yay, adventures. And she's like, no, gang rape and brutal violence and murder. Um, I just, you know, I might have kept watching it. It's just that one, I don't, you know, I was like, oof. Wow. And two, I have so much to play catch up on um, in terms of watching stuff. And now that all the full TV has started, that takes up a lot of my time. And I'm, I'm literally, I've got so much stuff in like my queue that I, I just need to burn through it. I didn't need a new show at all. Um, and then something else that slowed me down uh, in terms of my watching is the new Spider-Man DLC downloadable content for the Spider-Man game for PlayStation 4. This starts off with The Heist as a three-part uh, DLC pack called The City That Never Sleeps. They're releasing a new uh, DLC pack or downloadable content every month uh, until the end of the year, and October, that the end of this month, was the first one uh, with the black cat who's a thief, a cat burglar. Her name is meant to be clever. Oh my god, so new challenges, new crimes. Uh, at this point, uh, the mob has started to take over the like all the areas of Manhattan that you fight through. Uh, Screwball has been released from prison or, you know, managed to, es es you know, escape or been released and has new challenges, and it is bonkers. I don't know how big the DLC is at this point. I'm about 50% done, and I've been playing it for about three to four hours. But I ran around doing all of the side missions. There's a bunch of hidden art you can find uh, for a side mission that ties into the original Black Cat, uh, who's uh, 
the modern Black Cat's father. And I've been pretty much playing that, not nonstop, but I mean here and there, and it's like, well, you know, I could, you know, watch an episode of this, or I could be Spider-Man for an hour, which I'm always going to pick to be Spider-Man. That's just how it works. Um, the only reason I finished Constantine City of Demons this morning is because I knew I only had about half an hour, 20 minutes left of it, and I was like, I'll just knock it out so I can talk about it, and then record, and then play Spider-Man. So that's what I'm going to go do. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Nerd Vomit. I still don't have an outro. I'll have to post something online asking for one, like I did with one of our shows, Damn Doug's Acute Mental Neuroses. So I don't have one. I'm not going to make a little barfing sound. I'm not going to apologize. I think I've done that the last couple episodes. Um, so there you go. It's going to be a sudden stop, I suppose. I don't have a way to ramp out of this. I'm just going to keep babbling and go play Spider-Man. So I'm going to go play Spider-Man. Goodbye. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.